All right. Okay, so let's now uh, talk about what's coming up, and I hope that you've all been hearing about it with the N.Digital. The new uh, latest instalment is about to take place. 14th of July is when that starts, and it's going to be amazing. So do join us on the N.Digital as we look at the subject of the end of time. So we're going to talk, be talking all about the issues related to the end of time, the events related to the end of time. It's going to be amazing. Sharissa Tarosian and myself, and it will be simulcast here starting at 8 o'clock on Faith FM Radio. That is our intention. So you'll find it on Facebook, you'll find it on YouTube, you'll find it on the N.Digital website, and, of course, Faith FM Radio. And what day was that starting? 14th of July, 8 p.m. Oh, let's go, dude. Yes. Mm. All right, so it's kind of one of those things that you can kind of end your day with, end your day with something yeah. amazing. It's, it's going to be completely live. Mm. Dude, you know, on Spotify, like yes. they have a setting where you can put on podcasts and set a timer for them to shut off because you fall asleep. Right. Yeah. Not that you'll fall asleep through this presentation, but no. it kind of falls into that time slot of right. like... I thought you were saying it falls into that into that category of things that you support. <laughs> no, to. of course not. No, but I just mean it's out because people often listen to podcasts at that time of the day. So you can like, set it like a reminder so you don't miss out. Yes. 100%. Indeed. And, of course, we have Kelvin Langman joining us. Uh, he was here in the studio for our interview talking about all things weird, wonderful, wacky, and obscure in the Bible. Staying, mm. for, the Bi- staying for the Bible study, Kelvin, welcome. Thank you. All right, let's talk about a few text messages. Let's see what we've got here. Kate in the UK, you could not have said it better. Kill at all costs. This decision didn't happen by accident by the powers that be. It's part. It's another part of the depopulation plan. Freedom of choice is almost gone, never to return. We should be very worried. Then you add the Flora story to it. Religious freedom also gone. What's left but the end time scenario? I hate to think what the future holds, and it's not good. We have nowhere to hide but in the arms of God. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the health? Uh, rep, the pub, uh, have you seen the report from the public health in England that now people are dying who were vaccinated? Well, we've had some. We've had people die in Australia who yeah. were vaccinated. So there's kind of, um, yeah, nothing too huge there. It's a yeah. uh, a controversial subject and mm. uh, a balancing subject. But yeah, I know somebody who died from the vaccine. So, yeah, Heavy. Kind, of, kind of coming a little bit close to home right there. Mm. Okay, let's continue on here. What have we got here? Okay, nothing spells, nothing smells better. This is one for you, Kelvin. Ooh, yep. Nothing smells better than God's nature. Uh, man tries to copy it. Ooh. So it's, it's true. You know, you go outside and you grab a handful of eucalyptus leaves and crush them, particularly if it's like a, a lemon tree eucalyptus, crush those mm. up in your hand. Oh, the odour is just amazing. So many beautiful smells in nature that God has created. And this is just, you know, fantastic that God has, you know, created extravagant beauty to see, extravagant things to touch extravagant sounds to hear and an extravagant variety of smells to smell. What have I missed? Mm. Is that the senses? I think I missed one, but whatever. God created us with all these senses and all kinds of things to enjoy those senses with. Somebody also wants to know, will we be able to smell in heaven? Does it say in the Bible? Kelvin, you were talking to us about smells. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Will we be able to smell in heaven? Well, logically, if we can smell on earth, we should be able to smell in heaven. And if our bodies are perfected in heaven, we should be able to smell even much finer. We could we should be have we should be having bloodhound sense of smell in heaven if what we believe is correct. So I don't have, know that I'd like to have a bloodhound yeah. sense of smell right now. Yeah. But in heaven that would be amazing. Could be yeah. amazing. So your sense of taste is sharpened by your sense of smell. We call that the olfactory nerve senses. Mm. And whatever you put in your mouth and you're chewing, you're tasting it, but you're actually smelling it while you're while you're chewing it. Mm. And I would imagine in heaven that would have to be even better again. This is why you hold your nose when you want to eat something that is um, just not very tasty. Yep. So talking about that, what will we be eating in heaven? Well, the Bible talks about a lot of things that we'll be eating in heaven. The Bible says that we will you know, plant vineyards, plant vineyards and so forth. So grapes. Yep. Uh, the Bible talks about the tree of life with 12 different kinds of fruits. And one of them has got to be a, a mango. No, they're going to be small fruit. Small fruit? Yeah, it's going to be raspberries, boysenberries, loganberries, <laughs> youngberries, blackberries, uh, gooseberries, mulberries. Oh, I've prayed to God, and he's definitely going to have mangoes and figs. <laughs> no, he's not. Mangoes are trash. Mangoes, mangoes are an, an average at best fruit. I'm just letting everyone know my So what, what, do, what do you I'm, think it's going to I have? I am ready to get cancelled. It's going to have the best fruit. It's going to have apples. Apples? Yeah. yeah oh, apples. Could... apples are A1. Breadfruit. Like, Custard apples. Ooh, custard apple, green apples. Pawpaw. It's just like, no, well, I, the, the reality is I don't know, but I know for, in my case, I don't know what I'm doing, like, hashtag my truth, hashtag my heaven. It's not going to be mangoes. <laughs> we had, a, uh, we had a, a, a tree of life apple tree in, in our property in Tasmania. It had three different kinds of apples on it, three wow. different uh, coloured apples on it. So it had yellow apples, green apples, and red apples. Mm. And they would have cool. been amazing. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, oh, we, we dude, grafted the, all these different stuff onto it. And that's the dream. It was the best. Mm. One tree. Yeah. All right. So there's. I think that's all we've got. Let me just, just double check here. I think we've gone through all of our text messages. Yep, we've got done all our text messages. So now. There is one verse. Yes. Uh, Revelation chapter 5 and verse 8. Okay. Huh? And when he had taken oh, the book, yes. the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odours. Odours in heaven. What's hey. the point of having odours if you can't smell them? You couldn't That's even right. tell. So mm. Revelation does talk about heaven and That's it does conclusive. talk about smelling up in heaven. Yes. It's conclusive. We have solved the we have we have answered the question <laughs> hey. from the Bible. The Bible says there will be smells in heaven. What are hey, the odours though? Uh, the odors here would be the. It says in the next little section, the odors the are the prayers of the saints. Yes. So when there is wow. a stench rising up to heaven and God smells the stench, what is what is that? Sin. sin. It's our sin. Yeah. So when we are righteous, what is it that goes up to heaven? A sweet smell. A mm. sweet smelling savor. Yep. An odor or perfume. Yep. Mm. This circles back to what we were talking about in the sanctuary before, <laughs> the altar of incense. How yeah. crazy is that? Yeah. Isn't there a verse in the Bible that talks about God smelling that sweet-smelling savior yes. in heaven? Yes. Oh, okay, so Absolutely. there's definitely going to be smelling in heaven. Yep. Mm. Have to look that so one up. So we've solved a couple of little mysteries right there. Yeah, we should, we should have just kept it for question of the day. We, we could. <laughs> Too late. Question of the day. <laughs> <laughs> we've already answered it. You're listening to Faith FM. Positively different radio. All right, Numbers chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. All right. It's going to be interesting. Let's go. 
All right, Numbers. Let's start in verse one. Let's start in verse Numbers one. chapter twelve and verse one. The Bible says, "While they were at Hazaroth, uh, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman." They said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? But the Lord heard them. Now, Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person. You read on three verses, earth. that's all right. Yeah. You told me I to read three. Just start with verse one. I did. Well, I wanted to start at chapter 11, because chapter 11 sets you up for chapter 12. Ah, yes. Okay. But we jumped right into 12. We did. We okay. did chapter 11 yesterday. You missed out. You weren't here. Yeah, mm, sorry. What happens? You snooze, you lose. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're into chapter 12, and why is it that Miriam and Aaron are upset with Moses? What's he, what's he done? Um, they're like, they're not keen on the woman he's married. Okay, so is this an unusual thing in our world, even no. today, <laughs> where family members are sometimes not keen on the spouses chosen by other family members? Um, yeah, no, this is pretty common. It's ridiculously common. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we all need to have that attitude of, you know, I don't need to live with this person. You do. So. Sucked in. God bless. <laughs> God bless. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a theory here that she was drop dead gorgeous. Well, if I, you've ever been to Ethiopia. I have a friend that went over to Africa not that long ago and he fell in love with every second woman that walked around the country. Was your friend's name Lawson? I think it was, yes, yes. Uh, I was about to say, fair enough. <laughs> but they are very gorgeous. No, nah, you go to Ethiopia people. and you, st- you feel like you're walking around a nation full right? of supermodels. You really yeah, do. It's just they're yep. stunningly beautiful. Yep. Mm. So I, 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 I can see where Moses is coming from here. He's, he's married a beautiful woman and they're kind of upset about it. Is, it. is it unusual in our world today where people have this like, oh, you need to marry someone from your own race? Uh, no, that's not unusual. Well, the Bible says, I see this, be you not unequally yoked. Yes. I see this all the time mm-hmm. where people, you know, they'll use that passage in be not unequally yoked to say that you can't marry someone of another race. Mm. Whereas, what about uh, Moses? That, yeah, mm. Was Moses unequally yoked? She was a Cushite, but what kind of Cushite was she? It's Ethiopian. She was a Midianite Cushite. Yes. Well, she, right? she, she was an Ethiopian who had travelled to from Ethiopia to Midian and was living in Midian. So what, I'm just trying to think of her dad's name. Jethro. Jethro. Was it yeah. Jethro? That's right. Mm. Correct. Yes. And Jethro was a man of God. Absolutely. So that mm. means that she would have been brought up in a household that believed He was in a God. priest of God. Yep. So there on its own, like I think that was important for Moses to marry yeah. someone that was a godly woman. Exactly. He is not unequally yoked. He has married a godly woman from a godly family, a godly Correct. household. Yeah, yep. and that, that's the point of unequally yoked, by the way. got nothing is, to do with is this. spirituality. No, right. you know, Correct. Exactly. When, Correct. when it comes to like culture or uh, relationship type, like we've seen, we can come up with and we could give examples of all different kinds of combinations. Probably my favourite is uh, Blake Penland, who comes on the show. He is like the whitest white man it gets, bro. He's from <laughs> Redding, California, which is where the hillbillies live. Um, and he is married to an African queen, bro. Like, this straight is a from fact. Zimbabwe. This is a like, fact. And they are an absolute power couple, yet they're so different, yet they're so similar. It's like... But this is the point, is that they're both spiritual people. People sometimes say that it's not a great idea to have a cross-cultural marriage because you add extra pressures to the marriage that you might not have if it is not a cross-cultural marriage. You also might reduce them. Let me say this. Let me say this. Every marriage is a cross-cultural marriage. Absolutely. Mm. It's a blending. Every marriage. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. There is no such thing as a non-cross-cultural 
marriage. And so I love the fact that this story is in the Bible and that it's a story that is kind of still repeated today because when it gets repeated today, you know, and I've, I've had friends who've been like, you know, from certain part of the world and they're with their kids, you know, you must marry someone from our part of the world. And I'm thinking, you're living in Australia. There are not many people in Australia from that part of the world. That's a pretty narrow pool to, to, to go fishing yeah, in. Yikes. And Australia, as it stands today, is quite a multicultural nation. Yes. Oh, yeah. We've, so sorry. if you want someone dead, dinky-die Aussie, guess what? They're going to be a blend anyway. Of course they are. I'm a blend. <laughs> I'm part Asian. I'm, I, okay. Various different Look, types of Asian, are, I found out. I thought it was all Sri Lankan, but... Come to find out there's a whole bunch of different stuff in there. If there are any appropriately aged women who want a dinky die Aussie, that is me. I am I'm <laughs> as Australian. I'm like half English, half Irish. Like that is like, uh, they came on the boat. Yeah, right? just call like, or text into the studio. The number is 0491064669. Go ahead and put your application in. Send a photo if you feel free to do so. Come on, Kelvin. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry, was that subtle enough? Uh, you know what? Yeah, it was. <laughs> okay, but the long and the short of it is, if anyone's got an issue over uh, who your family member is marrying because of their race or because of the culture that they come from, then you are in the shoes of Miriam and Aaron and you need to be in the shoes of Moses because the Bible goes on to say in verse 3 that Moses was the meekest man above all men on the earth. Mm. Now, whose shoes do you want to be in? Whose side do you want to be on here? Mm. Do you want to be on... Miriam and Aaron's side, who were just plain straight out racist? Or do you want to be on Moses' side, who was meek? Were they mm. racist or were they just plain old jealous with a capital J? They were both. Mm. Yeah. And they were using the race card to further have an their, excuse for their jealousy. Further mm. their argument, yes. And that's a pretty low thing to do. Mm. All right, so uh, let's consider then this word meek. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a word that we've deleted from the English language. Yeah, my my Bible says humble. Uh huh. Mm. But it's not actually what the original says. The original says meek, mm. and meek is different from humble. Mm. All right, so give me some definitions from meek. What are your thoughts on meekness? Well, well, up until I became a student of the Bible, I had heard meek in the context of weak. Yes, because it kind of sounds they're, similar. They're similes, like they're, they're not similes, but uh, synonyms. They sound like they are the same thing, mm. which is why we relate them to each other. Mm. But when you actually look at the definition for meek... You're listening you to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Yeah, it's possible to be meek without being incredibly powerful. True meekness has strength. It's like a rock. You will not be moved. Mm. But, yeah, I'm just trying to, I'm struggling to think of a definition for meekness at the moment. I don't okay, think, let me give I'd you a definition. Google it. Power under restraint. Ah. So you could, it's like you could get vengeance, but you choose not to. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so now let's think about Moses in the context of this for a moment. Moses has the opportunity uh, in the book of Exodus okay. to become Abraham the second, mm. to be the father of a great nation. God says, I'm done with the Israelites. I'm going to wipe them out and make of you a great nation. Mm. That's a lot of power. Moses has the power to do that. And Moses holds back and says, look, if you're going to do that, block me out of your book. I'll yeah. stand in the way here. He, I, I, I will intercede for these people. He intercedes. Imagine yes. doing that to an all-powerful being. Yes. Mm. Like that was amazingly and for the, courageous of Moses. And pleading the case for an all 
terrible people that literally <laughs> like Moses is like I'll die for these people and then like a couple chapters later he's like I'll die because of these people <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely he's like kill me please oh he's hating life yes it's incredible okay so when you think about this power under 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 restraint mm. and Moses having the opportunity of being the second Abraham Abraham the second holding back from it, and you find this right through the book of, you know, the the, the first five books of the Bible, uh, particularly, you know, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, where they're having these experiences, where Moses is having these experiences with the Israelites. There are so many times there where Moses could just give up on them. Mm. You know, as once or twice when he loses it, for sure. He was a human being, um, and we need to remember that. But for the most part, this guy was the meekest man on the earth. And so this is the important point. It is impossible to be meek if you are weak. That's an impossibility. You have to have that resolve. You have to have power. Yep. Only a powerful person can be meek. Mm. All right, so, um, and here's another thought that sort of you know, goes along with that, um, and that is that you know, Jesus is not a PhD. He's an I am. Yeah, well. I mean, you can consider the difference between those for a moment. He's not a PhD. He's not telling you what he's studied and what he's learned. He's I am. He's not a knowledge or intellect. He's an action. Yes. He's put everything into, into practice. And as such, as an I am, he is all-powerful. And yet he holds that power in restraint, mm. constantly holds that power in restraint. Now, you think about Jesus when he was here on this earth. How much power did Jesus have accessible to him? Mm. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Kelvin, go for it. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let's start there. Yep. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being, verse 8, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Okay, let's stop and think about that for a moment. Did Jesus have power? Yes. Was it accessible to him? Yes. How much power was accessible to Jesus Christ? Literally all of it. He's got unlimited, unlimited. Yep. power and he, and at he says any that. moment. He says that. He's yeah. like, you know, oh, if, if this isn't supposed to happen, he says it to Peter. Like I could call twelve legions of angels say in that verse, Yes, like he and slow that bang, they'd be there. The yep. same thing, you know. And he, he's in the wilderness. He gets tempted to make uh, rocks to bread. Why does he get tempted to do that? Because he can. That's right. Like he's he it's not is a temptation legit. for you and I. Yeah. If Satan came to me and said, "Turn these rocks into bread," I'd be like, "Man, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no temptation right there. Never gonna happen." <laughs> but that's who Jesus was. Like yes. he was a human, but he did was he God. hold that power under restraint? Yes, yep, he, he did. And in holding it under restraint, he used no power that is not accessible to you and I. Mm. He only important. ever used his humanity. That's right. Yep. Mm. All right. Let's uh, let's head back over to Numbers chapter twelve, which is where we are. We've got uh, we've got this whole story happening right here, where we find that Moses is the meekest man. He holds his power under restraint. So basically. Aaron and Miriam come to him and they're like, well, we're equal to you and we're actually better than you because we didn't go and marry an Ethiopian and you did. 
and they're kind of say all, <laughs> trying, trying to say all this stuff. And Moses has the power right then and there to just to, to, to dismiss them, to punish them. Call down fire from heaven. Call down fire from heaven, <laughs> have them, you know, banished. Moses has all of this power accessible to him. But what happens? Let's read. Uh, so it continues on in verse 4. It says, So immediately the Lord called to Moses and Aaron and said, Go out of the tabernacle. On Moses and Aaron and Miriam. It says, Go out of the tabernacle, all three of you. So the three of them went to the, ta- uh, so went to the tabernacle and then the Lord descended in the pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron and Miriam, he called, and they stepped forward. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. This story reminds me of a parent and their kids. Mm. And the kids are all fobbling, squabbling and fighting. It's like, okay, you three, right here, right now. <laughs> it's kind of like that, isn't it? It is. And then the parent's uh-huh. like, okay, who's, which one's to blame? Which, yeah, one's to right. our, which one's to Who was causing the problem? Which uh-huh. one do I reprimand? Uh-huh. Discipline you know, is swift. <laughs> So good. All right. right, Continues on in verse six. And the Lord said to them, now listen to what I say. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams, but not with my servant Moses of all my house. He is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? Thank you, Tizion. The Lord was very okay, okay. angry whoa, 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 with them. Stop there for a moment. Stop, 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 stop. Okay. Does God speak to you, Lawson and Kelvin? Yeah. Through the Bible, but yeah. I don't hear an audible verse. Like, I don't yes. hear a voice normally. Right. Uh, does God speak through your conscience? Yes. yes very absolutely. much so. Okay. Mm. So God speaks to all of us. Mm. And I think this is what Moses and Miriam are saying because at the beginning here, they're, they're, they're all discontented. Mm. You know, they're all like bent out of shape. And, you know, and, and in verse 2, you know, and they said, hasn't the Lord indeed spoken um, only by Moses? He's spoken to us as well. Yeah. And We're all in there like, you know, God speaks to us. He speaks to you. We're all in the same here together. The guy's like, no, you're not. No. I speak to Moses face to face. Moses is a level above a prophet. I was going to say there's mm. inequality here. All and- right. So, um we all agree that God speaks to us mm. yes. through the Bible, through nature, through um, through through our conscience. We could we could list a bunch of different ways that God speaks to us. Absolutely. But are any of us here a prophet? No. Do, do we have the gift of prophecy? No, I'm not. No, no, no. I don't have the gift of prophecy. So that's another level at which God speaks, and the Bible speaks about how that happens. Uh, where visions and dreams. Verse, yeah, visions and dreams, and riddles and symbols and so forth. That's how God speaks to prophets. Mm. And then you've got the next level up from that, and there are a few people in this category where mm. God just turns up face to face. This is like Abraham. Yep. Very few people. Uh, Elijah. Elijah. Mm. J- Jesus. <laughs> yes. We assume. Uh, this is interesting, though, because it's like. It, it, because then you could say, like, oh, but he came and he, he spoke to Aaron and. Miriam here, like, doesn't he speak to everyone? But even that, he's in the pillar of cloud. That's right. This is the difference. Like, Moses is so legit. Like, he's so filled with righteousness. And I feel like that's the different steps of character here. Like, is that what increases your standing with God and being able to... It's like, because Moses had a character that he was the meekest man on earth. And you can see this is coming through here because Aaron and Miriam, they're just not very meek right now. No, they're just criticizing him. But... But Chapter 11 talks about the whole nation has grumbled and complained. 
And yet in verse 12 here, we see that that has filtered right through to the organisers, the leaders. Mm. So yes. now Miriam and Aaron are now grumbling and complaining. Mm. And it's kind of like, you, you, you see Aaron has this tendency to take the side of the people. Mm. Yeah, Against God and against Moses. Mm. Yes, he's got a history. He has a history. He's mm. done this before. Mm. And so you've got a whole chapter here of the people grumbling and complaining. And then Aaron and Miriam are kind of taking the side of the people again. Mm. This is not the first time around. They should have learned some lessons from this. Okay, let's. Uh, where do we get up to? Let's uh, read a, um, a couple of verses just as we finish off this section right here. It was verse 8, The Bible says it? in verse 9. Yeah, go verse 9. In verse 9, the Bible says, The Lord was very angry with them, and he departed. As the cloud moved from the from above the tabernacle, there stood Miriam, her skins as white as snow from leprosy. Oh, when Aaron saw that... Uh, this had happened to her. He cried to Moses, Oh, my master, please don't punish us for this sin we have so foolishly committed. Don't let her be like a stillborn baby already decayed at birth. So Moses cried out to the Lord, Oh, God, I beg, please heal her. But the Lord said to Moses, If her father had done nothing more than spit in her face, wouldn't she be defiled for seven days? So keep her outside of the camp for seven days, and after that she may be accepted. So Miriam was kept outside the camp for seven days, and the people waited until she was brought back before the tra- before they traveled again. Then they left Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. Okay, so Miriam is complaining about Moses' wife because Moses' wife is dark-skinned Ethiopian. He's like, well, you want white? I'll give you white. Yeah, you can't get any whiter than leprosy. leprosy. Oh, right. yikes. <laughs> this is pretty rough, isn't it? As white as snow. And, oh, oh, yeah. and it's amazing, out of all of the illustrations that God could have used, he chose this leprosy. To, uh, what a stark contrast. Contrast, God that's uses. right. God's making a point right yep. here. He's, he's making a very, very, very powerful point um, about yeah, racism yeah. and all this. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Question of the day. Right, our question of the day this morning is: Why can someone be forgiven for be forgiven for sinning against Jesus, but not the Holy Spirit? They are both a part of God. What about the Father? And of course, this is in reference to Luke chapter twelve and verse. Absolutely, 10. and you can be forgiven for sinning against the Father mm. or Jesus. You just can't be forgiven for sinning against the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to read this one from the book of Matthew. This is Matthew, because it's in Matthew and Luke. I'm going to read it from Matthew uh, chapter 12. Uh, where are we here? Uh, verse 31, Wherefore I say unto you, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it's forgiven him. Whatever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. So why is, this is the unpardonable sin, why why is it so important that we do not blaspheme against the Holy Spirit? And what does it mean to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit? To understand the answer to this question, you've got to understand the work and the function of the Holy Spirit. And if you go over to the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus here gives, you know, over... The space of a sermon gives probably the most comprehensive view anywhere of the Holy Spirit that you'll find. We'll start in John chapter 14 and verse 26, where the Bible says, But the Holy Spirit, which is but the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all truth. Function number one the Holy Spirit is here to teach you what the truth is. Okay, 
Then we go to chapter 16, still in the same sermon. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Function number two is that the Holy Spirit guides us. So number one, he teaches us the truth. Number two, he guides us. And so think about it like a path. The Bible uses the imagery of a path as the Christian journey. You're on a path. The Holy Spirit is there to teach you how to get on the path. Mm. As you start walking, the Holy Spirit is there to guide you along the path. You hear a voice behind you saying, if you turn to the right or to the left, you hear a voice saying, this is the way, walk you in it. So walk on the path. The Holy Spirit is guiding you along the path. Well, what happens then if you fall off the path? Uh, John chapter 16 Uh, Verse 7, the Bible says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for I do not go away. The Holy Spirit will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. When he was come, he will reprove the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment. And so the third function is that the Holy Spirit reproves you. So you, the Holy Spirit gets you onto the path. You start walking along the path. The Holy Spirit guides you on the path so that you don't walk, walk off it. Then if you do walk off the path, fall off the path, whatever it might be, the Holy Spirit turns up and reproves you and says, hey, get back on the path. And so the Holy Spirit is a little bit like a lifeline. Let's say that you throw, you, you fall overboard from a ship and somebody throws you a lifeline. You grab hold of that lifeline. That lifeline is the only connection that you have to salvation. Let go of that only connection and you're lost. It's like this. We just quoted a moment ago. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The only sin that cannot be forgiven is the sin that is not confessed. And the only way that we ever confess our sins is if we know it is sin. And the only way that we know it is sin is if the Holy Spirit tells us it is sin. If the Holy Spirit no longer speaks to your heart, you no longer have a conscience. If you no longer have a conscience, you have nothing to bring you back to God. If you have nothing to bring you back to God, you have no motivation, no nothing to push you in the direction of receiving forgiveness of sins, and your sins won't be forgiven you. This is why sinning against the Holy Spirit is so dangerous. Because we can we can push the Holy Spirit away again and again and again and again until our heart hardens, until we can't actually hear the voice of the Holy Spirit anymore and there is no means by which God can call us to repentance because we can't hear God anymore. This is Tennessee Ernie Ford. He's going to bring us the song Almost Persuaded, the, song, the story of somebody who came so close to responding to the Holy Spirit, pulled back, and was tragically lost. Almost persuaded now to believe. Almost persuaded Christ to receive Seems now some soul to say Go, Spirit, go your way Some more convenient day On the I'll call 
persuaded Come, come today Almost persuaded Turn not away Jesus invites you here Angels are lingering near Prayers rise from hearts so dear Harvest is past Almost persuaded Doom comes at last Almost cannot avail Almost is but to fail Sad, sad, that bitter wail Almost, but lost. Almost, but lost. As we go through this day, let's never be in that situation where we are almost persuaded. Let's all be fully persuaded to give our lives to Jesus Christ today and every day. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.